Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast. Presented by Rolly White RV. Yeah. Got the right button this time. First time. Yeah. So welcome to Playing the Game Podcast, everybody. You got your I'm your co-host, Brock White. What's going on, everybody? This is Cody Ransom. With Mr. Cody. We have a very special guest. How are you doing, Cody? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, it's been a very hectic couple weeks, but I'm glad we're able to finally sit down. It ha- that it has been. It'll get. It'll be hectic again starting tomorrow. But yes. we got a day in the middle. We got a special guest on today. We got. A, I've been trying to get on for months. We almost had him once. And it just didn't quite work out. Just he's on the road a lot. No. He's hustling. This is Jeff. Lester, how you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, Brock. How about you? I'm great. Well, obviously, you just told us how you're doing, so we're good there. Yeah, no, you know, <laughs> Jeff, here's the thing, man. Thing, I've seen Jeff for a long time, and I've known Jeff for a long time. Um, he's actually from my family's hometown, so we have that connection there. And I don't know if you know this, Jeff, Cody's... Families from Eager also. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, my so my grandma on my dad's side and like her mom, they're from up there. We, oh, we okay. still have a, we actually still have a place up there, right? Uh, right downtown. We had six sections out. Um, I guess on the highway, like going from to New Mexico. Yeah, uh, we had about six sections out there, and uh, that got sold off on us. Oh, nice. After my after my grandma passed, but. Yeah, we still have a place up there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, crazy. Well, it's a good place to be from. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like when you meet someone from Eager or know about Eager, you kind of assume things, good things about them. At least I do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think of, like, hardworking Americans. Hardworking, well, patriotic Americans. Well, that is pretty much... You know, uh, this community, yeah. I mean, that's a good way to look at it. Like, so. I look at everyone I know from Eager, pe- the people I know, I don't know them all. But guys that you kind of can ask them to do anything, and they can do it, you know? Right. So are, I, so are you right. still up there? Yeah, so I, I, was, I was born and raised here, mm-hmm. and I left for, you know, a few years uh, during college and some other things and and uh, pretty much been here ever since. I mean, you know, other than I'm 48 and probably about five five years that I didn't live here during that time. Wow. 
That's crazy. Yeah, we still, like I said, we still have the the house there. It's nothing to <laughs> nothing that everybody's gonna brag about. But it's uh, right. you know, it's it's right down the street from the church there, across from Bashes. Like the right, yeah. So that was the big steak center on Maine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And there's a Bashes across the street. And yep. A couple houses down. Yeah. Old Trail Riders right there. Yep. There's like two restaurants in town you go to, right? Now. Every, yeah. Everything's <laughs> shut down, huh? Like, Everything's shut down. Yeah. yeah. Eager, where you go to open a business to die. To die. Depends on the business. You know what? It's like such a hidden gem, I feel like Eager is. And I guess yeah. it's good for you. It's just far enough away from the valley that it scares people away. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Alpine Nutrioso gets the Tucson influence and Sholo Snowflake, the other side, you know, Heber, everything, Pine Top, that gets the pull out of Phoenix. So yeah. we're, we're kind of the no man's land out here, the next little stretch. Like but a lot of people are coming in. We got our Californians. Ooh. No offense, Californians, but we got Californians. A lot of a uh, lot of West Coasters moving in. Do you so, have really? Is, like, how's real estate in Eager? Is it driving? Oh, it's yeah, it's driving pretty hard. I mean, obviously, right now everything's kind of you know, who knows what's going on in the world we live in, but mm. um, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been going pretty hard. Well, good. It's uh, good to hear. So, I haven't been to Eager for some personal reasons and little while and i miss it man yeah. i miss it a lot yeah you need to come up bro that's a it's <laughs> you know it. you know like i didn't grow i didn't that wasn't my home growing up but like whenever i went back to eager to visit my grandpa or my cousins it always felt home like that's my home. right i always felt like Eager right. was my real home like right like i don't want to say i'm from the valley like, I actually <laughs> right. thought that was kind of offensive. Like, I'd rather be say, I'd rather tell people I'm from Eager than the Valley. Yeah, but most people don't even know where it's at. So, no, sure don't. I'd rather. It's like <laughs> that's what I want. I don't really care if people know. I'm like, <laughs> Phoenix. You're from Phoenix. Well, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in you know, Phoenix has changed so much in the last ten years. It's not the same. Like, right, town of Gilbert. Town of Gilbert was like a little hidden gem, kind of like Eager, where it still right. felt like a small town and had a small right. community, and now it's definitely not. It's 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 just like a city, and it's disappointing. Right. Yeah, that and Queen Creek are both they're number one and two growing cities in the state. Yeah, I um I actually had a prediction about Queen Creek, like Sandtown Valley, and I was totally wrong. I thought that would be a ghost town. Really? Like after the crash and the recession in mm-hmm. 08, I was like, that thing's going to turn into a ghost town. No one's ever going to live there. Kind of like Casa Grande did? Yeah, well, I was wrong. <laughs> don't, 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 don't listen, listen to my to advice. So, Jeff. <clears throat> yeah. When I first met you, I mean, it's probably been 10 years. You had already been well on your way down the road you're going down right now. And right. You were, I think you you're just came out with your first pack. Right. You had been guiding before that. But well, that would be much more than 10 years ago then. <laughs> it, well, you're, you'd, yeah, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, 
You, when did you have your little car lot on Broadway? Twelve years, fourteen years ago. So we, I knew you when you opened that. So you know that was fourteen years ago. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So. How far along were you when I first met you down the? You had already had your first pack by then. Yeah, I mean, I started designing gear, um, kind of out of necessity. Uh, originally, um, you know, I mean, we were using what the industry had out at the time. And so, you know, you used, you know, there was two, there was maybe two or three kind of pack companies that had gear out when I first started guiding, you know, and it was, it's much like camo or anything else in the industry. There was a company here and a company there. It wasn't like today where there's a new startup of, of each industry. I mean, each specific type of gear that we use gun, bow equipment. I mean, every year there's new startups, multiple startups of new companies. Um, at the time there was only a few of each, you know, clothing, uh, camo, uh, no, no, you know, pack company. Uh, most, you know, most guys were just shooting the standard, you know, three, rifle companies, you know, Remington, Winchester, people were just using what, you know, basically what was out there. And then, uh, as things went on, you know, we've seen what the outdoor industry has obviously done. Um, it's exploded and, you know, overseas manufacturing as well as manufacturing in the States has maybe ramped up a little bit and, you know, people have found it easier, uh, to, you know, produce good. Um, so how did you? So at the, how did you, how did you produce your first pack? Like, well, that was kind of a nightmare uh, when you really, you know, even even saying, uh, you know, coming up with the idea and and saying you're going to actually go to market with something, you know, people, it's funny because everybody acts like it's easier. Hey, why don't you do this? Or hey, why don't you do that? Well, you know, writing the checks is not always an easy deal in any startup. You know, that's why you see, you know, Shark Tank. <laughs> it's because people, you know, it takes a lot of money to come up with a certain specific product. Research and, research and development's legit. Yes, and going to market with something is no joke. And obviously doing what I've done and being in the industry as long as I've been in the industry, I know piles and piles of people that have started and failed. And, and I know lots and lots of people who have, you know, started and succeeded. Um, you know, I was probably one of the ones that I, I wouldn't say I failed, but at the same time, I wouldn't say I succeeded when it comes to, you know, knocking it out of the park. I mean, I sold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of backpacks, uh, you know, but it wasn't, you know, getting to the next level and being able to, you know, I've already, I still have ideas and concepts and designs in my brain that are really it, truthfully are better than lots of stuff that's even out on the market right now. You know, I have a really creative mind and obviously I do it as a professional. And so I see the need for specifically uh, related gear uh, for the hunter, um, and guide or outfitter. And anyway, like I said, doing so at the time I was using a specific backpack from a company and 
that we had out the, the three that were the major players at the time. And, and it, it, it worked great for what we needed it for, but it still, you know, I had to have a pack frame and I had to have a pack and I had to have this and that. And, uh, you know, the optics were coming in pretty heavy and we were, so I was, I was lashing and sewing on pieces to the pack I had so that I could fit a scope in it, a spotting scope. And I, I built a rifle sleeve and just little things and started kind of coming up with my own design on a pack. And, and, uh, Karen Beto, who owned the pack shack, who was a fire wildland fire pack company out of eager, uh, she would do some of the sewing for me on the other retrofitting. And so she had a wildland fire pack and I kind of designed a pack off of her pack. It was more of a modular concept, which, uh, actually a new startup company that's just started has actually kind of knocked off my old design really. And, uh, is using really my first pack I ever built. I mean, it pretty much looks like a prototype of what I used to build. I mean, they're, they're, they're building a pack much like that same, that very first pack I built, you know, almost 20 years ago. Yeah. That's, that's Which funny. was a great little pack. Yeah. It didn't hold a lot. I felt like. Yeah. For what it was for, it was a day pack. It was something that, you know, you could break down and really, you know, get out and get moving and, and hunt. But then, you know, obviously if you killed something, you'd, you had to go back and get a pack frame. It wasn't built for packing or anything like that. It was just more for, you know, kind of blow and go type hunting really, you know, archery related as well, you know? So, um, well, I know my father-in-law still uses your, the pack that you designed after that one. He still, yeah. So the other packs and stuff that came after, I, I, I came up with a pretty trick concept with the head carrier and, you know, the tripod in the pack, and the tripod in the pack never really, I don't know if it really got much traction. I mean, people used it. I used it a little bit here and there. It wasn't, it had some, not design flaws. I mean, it worked, but it was more or less, obviously, if you have a tripod, a carbon fiber tripod, you're going to use the tripod. But it was built for the idea that in 06, when I was in the Yukon hunting, and I was backpack hunting and I had my tripod that I was packing along. That's when I kind of came up with the idea of the tripod that was the concept that it was manufactured or, you know, that it was built into the frame of the actual pack so that you could stand the pack, but you had a steady platform that you could use to glass and, and spot off of and, and shoot off of, off of your pack. And so it was a solid you know, a platform that you could do that off of. And, and it worked great. And then we incorporated the head carrier in that, which you could pack, you know, caped out animals. Uh, a lot of guys don't know how to cape an animal. So, you know, you could put the head in the pack within, you know, 10 seconds, you could load the cape and head in the pack and cinch it down and, and, you know, start hiking. Uh, and it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. It locks in. It's still actually an unbelievable, design it's a great design uh it works flawlessly and it has since the day i invented it <laughs> um it just there was concepts that 
you know, or uh, not concepts, but uh, application that I actually had a new pack ready to come on the market. The uh, was the Pro Hunter EXT, which we had the Pro Hunter come out. You know, and that was right at the time where everybody was phasing out of camo and they were going into the new uh, camos that were out there, the new patterns or solid patterns. And we had already, you know, licensed, did a license agreement with Realtree. And it was just like, I was always like a day late and a dollar short when it came to the design side. Like right when I would finally get something done, um, some, you know, the industry was changing. And so that always became, you know, you go to production and I was building overseas. That's a whole nother, you know, deal. People think that I tried to do it in the U S and the soft goods manufacturing in the United States was at that time, pretty pathetic. And a lot of people said they could do it. And it was sad to say that a lot of people couldn't build the pack that I was envisioning. And when I, you know, got on a plane and flew to Asia, uh, I saw some stuff get done in, in literally a few days, which I had spent months on in the U S trying to get done in the U S and, uh, just, just because their, their capabilities of soft goods manufacturing is, was way above and beyond anything that was going on in the U S at the time. And, you know, the guys that really were successful in the U S, uh, you know, the people that came out here in the last, you know, seven to 10 years, there's been a lot of startup pack companies and most of them have done really well. And the reason why is because they've handled their own manufacturing. They've, they've basically cut and sewn their own packs or they have a, you know, a soft goods manufacturer very close to their headquarters that cuts and sews. And they've been able to build small runs and tweak basically the issues where when you're overseas, you get so many sample runs of a pack or of a, of an item. And then when you go to production, there's always going to be a hidden, you know, you know, blemish or something that you just, you think you cover all your bases. And then in the end, there's just one little thing, you know, that, that usually you're just like, now, now you got 500 of them sitting in your warehouse. Yeah. And, and most of the time it's not a major thing or whatever, but I mean, I've, I, I had my bumps along the way and you know, in the States when people are manufacturing and this goes for anything, you know, people that are manufacturing goods in the States, if you're, if you're cutting and sewing your product, you got employees, you got insurance, you got building uh, lights, power. It's a whole different ball game. When you're building overseas, you're paying for the, all that same stuff in a way, but you're, you don't have that. You're, you're designing, you're building, you're selling. And to, to take it to the next level, which I needed to do, it was going to be, you know, about 850 to about a million and a half to take it to the next level. And it was that choice I had to make that I said, okay, I've been successful at it. I'm going good. Do I take on a partner? Do I fund it myself? And at this point I had funded everything myself. So, you know, everybody thinks that's all fine and dandy, but the reason people take partners is for bankroll. (laughs) And I, 
I had had some bad experiences earlier in my youth and seeing partnerships, you know, which became nightmares and fail a lot. So I, I funded everything out of hunt hard for, for, uh, you know, out of my own pocket. And that wasn't always easy. I leveraged homes, um, wrote $200,000 checks, depleted my account to a couple hundred dollars <laughs> mm. and rolled the dice more than once. And, uh, that's not an easy deal to do. You know, I, you got to have some serious, you know, well, yeah. balls. Yeah. And, uh, you've got to be confident and, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, along the way, uh, you know, my best place probably would have been working for another big outdoor company in design and, and the manufacturing side. I love that side of it. Uh, that was the part I'm really, really good at. And I still am. I mean, I see stuff all the time. I see stuff and I'm just like, God, who designed this? I mean, a real, you know, it all, the big saying in the industry was built for hunters by hunters. And half the time I look at stuff and I'm like, uh, I wonder who the hunter is <laughs> because when it really comes down to it, I mean, that's the side I had, you know, obviously I'm a, a guide an outfitter and have been since I was, you know, um, 19, um, at a really high level. And, you know, that's a whole nother, a whole nother story to hunt hard was my, you know, the outfitting business and the brand, um, you know, the brand of hunt hard, which is still, you know, I still sell product today under the hunt hard brand. Um, you know, I've had people multiple times try to buy it. Most of the time people try to distill it and use it. So I've had piled the lawsuits and things, you know, to, to protect the, the, uh, you know, the, the property of it, you know, but anyway, I mean, it is, so that's, that's kind of how hunt hard, you know, I started it, it but when I came up with the brand is because I came out with a broadhead. Oh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even know you came out with a broadhead. Yeah. So I had a broadhead. I was coming, I was trying to come to market with, and you know, it's all water under the bridge. We're talking like 25 years ago. And, uh, I was young. I was dumb. I didn't understand copyright patent, uh, law. I didn't understand any of this. And I had this great idea, um, went to another manufacturer that was trying to build broadheads, showed them my design and they pretty much just stole the design. And it's one of the biggest broadhead companies in the United States right now. It's awesome. Ray. And it, no, I'm not, no, I'm not <laughs> going to say who it is. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a big broadhead company. Um, and, uh, you know, when I was in college, I worked for a machinist. And so it was, uh, you know, one piece, you, you know, went all. To, wait, wait, so you went to college? Yeah. That's <laughs> I of, went to college. I can't believe this. This is five years he was gone. <laughs> you were, you, <laughs> and, did you graduate? Oh, that's a whole other story. Okay. We'll just stick to so, your, the, yeah, you were, okay, continue. Yeah, I was a, I, I wasn't a, you know, I, it, I, I, there was a lot of things about college I hated and, and the educational system in America has a lot to be desired in my opinion. Well, that's a whole I wanted thing. to make money whole and I thing. wanted to, 
Don't get me started. You know, I'm and, take my and to college tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of the formality BS I just didn't like with school. And, you know, my professors, some of them had no real life experience. And obviously, you know, going through college and all this and the off season of outfitting and starting my hunt hard and all this, I built houses. So, you know, I have a pretty, in, uh, uh, not intense, what's the word? A, uh, uh, you know, I have a big background in building. I was a framer for years. Framing, that mean, I know framing. I have a buddy that was a framer. And those guys you work, know, so, man. Those guys Yeah, work. so, I mean, that's where, you know, I think the work ethic, being a guide and an outfitter, and, and then I framed and built timber timber frame and log and uh, just did a bunch of that stuff up to 08, and then the, then the crash happened. But I was already kind of booming. Hunt Hard was still, you know, was starting to crank. And uh, everything else was there, going good. And so it just kind of. The recession hurt you? Yeah, it didn't really hurt us. We were owed money. Um, the guys I worked for, who were my some of my best friends, like they were owed. Yeah, they were owed money, but not big, big money. One of them was owed a lot. And uh, ended up, you know, a lot of the guys got their money and then they paid their bills. And then it just was a, it's a down trickle effect. So when recessions happen, you just don't want to be the guy left on the end because you're screwed. And, 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 you know, in 08, everybody was living beyond their means. And, you know, I was raised in a household that, you know, was a little more, you know, my parents were school teachers and they had a business on the side. So, you know, my mom had always, they'd always said, taught about recessions or, you know, downfalls in the economy. So I had kind of planned for some of that. I had money saved and things. So I did, it didn't really hurt me. Um, I saw other guys I know just get crushed. People lost pretty much everything. And, uh, you know, the banks were a huge issue. They were giving money to anybody. Um, you know, just like today, everybody, you know, we're, we're, we're in those same days right now. People are talking recession, recession, recession. I, I don't necessarily see, you know, in the housing industry as such, is a, is a recession compared to what I think the same thing is going to happen is, you know, were homes in 08 worth what they were selling them for and people were giving them, I mean, the banks were giving money on, on homes. Now you, you see that, but I think it's almost like the vehicles because, you know, an F-250 is not worth 120 grand, but people are buying them for 120 grand. And so that means when people can't feed their children, they're going to drive these, these trucks back into these dealerships and leave the keys in them. Yeah. And that's what I see. So, you know, Something, that's, something's going to, that's the, we're in a weird, um, market because, um, a recession usually has high interest rates with high unemployment. Right. 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 Now we have high interest rates and um, record unemployment, the most the lowest unemployment levels that we've ever had. So it's like right. a, it's a weird, weird thing going on, and I don't think anyone knows really what yeah, to think of it. it. It is. It's really strange, and really the last few years have been really strange. I mean, and I'm no, you know economist or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I think a lot of small business owners sometimes fly by the seat of their pants. Not that I do that, but I mean, I guess there's things I've been smart in. I I've missed, 
you know, some deals, uh, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've had a few chances to sell my business, didn't sell them. The deals just weren't right, you know? And, uh, sometimes I look back at that and think, gosh, it would have been nice to be able to make the deal stick. Uh, you know, it seems like every few months somebody comes after and tries to buy the brand from me. It's not a bad and, thing to have. No, you know, that's, no, I mean, and that tells great. me the, the strength of the brand. I mean, the brand is a strong, you know, brand meaning the name, but because, you know, it's always, you know, the world we live in, everybody just thinks they're getting it for free. You know, so it's a, I mean, Brock, you know, you know, the business you're in, um, and what you've built from scratch, you've been very successful at it. And, uh, you know, I've always, you know, admired that about you. You know, you were able to do something, you know, nothing was given to you and you started it. And well, you did the same thing, Jeff. Well, yeah, it's just at different levels and, and it's a funny thing, you know, it's, it's people, you know, I, I used to look at success and I thought is success, the numbers of zeros that are on the backside of my savings account. And I was like, that's how I looked at it at one time. And then I started meeting multiple successful people in my life. I mean, in my, in my basically clients, friends, people that I rub shoulders with. And, you know, some of the most successful people I know necessarily aren't extremely wealthy. No. You know, and, and some are some, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I've guided and some of the richest men in the United States Yeah. and people that are on, you know, big lists and they're in the top 10 (laughs) and, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying that person's any more successful than a guy that makes a hundred thousand a year. I mean, you know, success is measured by, you know, a guy told me, an old guy once told me, you know, wealth is measured by if everything is taken from you today, how long can you survive without ever working again? That's true. wealth. yeah. And that's always kind of stuck with me. My, my, I always tell my guys, you know, like, are you rich or are you wealthy? Because those are two different things. Rich is a guy that makes a lot of money during the year, but doesn't necessarily save any money, right? He makes a hundred right. grand, he spends a hundred grand. Right. He has no wealth, you know. But you, but you could right. be more wealthy if you made sixty grand, but you only used forty grand. You're wealthier than the guy that made almost double than you did. So. Right. There's a lot of different ways. And then yet I I met a a CEO of a wealth management group and he brought a good point up to me. He said, you know, he sat next to a guy on a flight and the guy had an hourglass and he said, You know something interesting about this hourglass? And he's like, well, what? He said that the sand never goes back up. It only goes down. You never get time <laughs> back. And mm-hmm. and at that time, he was on the board of HP and all this, you know, very, very wealthy. And he said he he thought about all the birthdays he missed and all the games he didn't go to with for his children. And, you know, there's wealth and that as a father or as a family member that 
quality of life. There's something to say about that also. It's not oh, all, there is. It's not all about money. Yeah, and there is a there is that there there is so much truth in that. I mean, I think of the, you know, I don't think I've been home. I think I've been home one Valentine's Day ever. I've been home maybe two Halloween ever. Yeah, that's a. You know, last year I slept in my bed from September 1st to probably the middle of December four times in my home bed. Jeez. Four nights. Yeah. So sacrifice. And, you know, it becomes a part of you when you're out and you're hustling. And I'm kind of a micromanager. I really pay attention to my outfitting business. I'm I'm real hands-on. I get out and I hunt. I guide every hunt. Even at 48, I go. You're 48. Jeez. Yeah. You're old. (laughs) I'm not old. But, I mean, yeah, with that, you know, being able to go and and do that, I mean, there's things I've missed and, and, uh, oh, you know, it's hard, man. It's like, the real question is, are you there when, are you present in the moment when you're home? Well, I am a lot more. So I have a 21 year old and a 19 year old, and I definitely am a different dad to my, I got three under nine and I am a definitely a different dad than I was to the first two. And, and that's kind of sad in a way, you know, I mean, I think a lot of business owners don't have it figured out. You know, people, you don't have a lot figured out and you, you make lots of mistakes along the way. And, you know, in the beginning when I was building my business, I was, you know, I can remember going and doing back to back hunts through October. So four solid weeks of hunting back to back and, and having maybe a day off here or there. And I would come home and drop my stuff, have my wife wash it. And I would jump in my truck and drive a hundred miles to frame a house for two days and jump back in the truck, come home, load my stuff and head straight to the woods to do another hunt. And I did that for a good 10 years. But the real question, why are you doing it? You know, like, are you doing it to support the family? Cause you're the, yeah, I was, I was doing it to support the family, but at the same time, it was the money I was making and I was saving because I was trying to do something bigger. And but there could that's be what, there could there really be what holds to do that. Yeah, I know, but it holds a lot of America back because you know, I have another friend that that you know, got a 9 to 5 job and and you know, he he makes a pretty good living and you know, he's a great father and he's with his kids all the time and and I envy that sometimes, you know, and then, you know, it, for me, you know, and then the show season would start for me. And then as soon as hunting season's over, I'd go on the show for, I'm on the road for three months and I'd fly home a day here and a day there. And, you know, so seven months of the year, I was just really, really nose down, just pushing, pushing, pushing. And then in the off season, 
I would come back and run to job sites and build houses. And, and it wasn't until, you know, I decided I had a turning point, you know, with the pack company and everything. And the guy that helped me that designed packs for me, he actually designed for North face and Patagonia and a bunch of other big companies. And, you know, he, he, he looked at me one day and he goes, is this something you, you know, you, is your passion. And, and a lot of it was, then he says, you know, this money you're going to put into it, you're going to make the money back. You sell your product and then you take it, and you reinvest and it. That started to become a really bad merry-go-round where you make the money, you make the profits, and then you need to try to expand and you dump everything back into it. And, and then here we go again. Mm-hmm. And that side of it, and, and the guy that was, he said to me one time, we were coming home from Vietnam from a trip, in, uh, a manufacturing trip that we went over there to do. And he said, Jeff, take your, take your wife on vacation. Like, is this really what you want to do? Or, you know, are you, are you gone? And that was kind of the, the eye opener that, you know, maybe, I'm spread too thin. I got my, you know, I, you know, and at the time those two years, right. Where he was talking was probably the biggest grossing years I ever had with my business because I had many different tentacles that were reaching out and I was making money on a lot of different avenues. But at the end of the day, man, I was probably not happy. I was stressed. I had, had a lot going on and there's lots of that life I miss because I really miss the design and the coming up from scratch with something and testing it and, and seeing it work and knowing it came from your mind that there's a lot to be said for that as well. You know, it's just like building a house from scratch, you know, and you design it and you build it and you put every nail in it and every shingle on it and every piece of drywall on it and paint it. And it, it's yours. Mm-hmm. And that's with any business, you know, all business owners understand that part, but man, it's the sacrifice. What are you sacrificing to get that? Yeah. And yeah. so, man, there's, and, and there's no answer for it. I mean, you know, I mean, I know, like I said, I mean, I've, I've had guys sit next to me in my truck that are worth, you know, $7 billion. And I mean, with a B billion, um, some, you know, 10 billion. I mean, guys that, you know, fly in and jets that are worth 70, $65 million that I pick up and take hunting, you know, that have a thousand employees. Um, it's all, it's, it's all just, you know, everybody's different. And then it's, you meet uh, them and you realize, Hey, he's most of them are no different. You're like, you're that's just right. like me. He puts his socks on just like me, puts his boots on and goes to work. That's something yep. that I, that's something that I kind of went through this year. I was working with the Diamondbacks back in coaching after retiring from playing and um they wanted me to be gone again and you know my daughter just graduated and she's headed off to college actually tomorrow. Uh, my son's going into high school so I had to make a decision whether it was continue to do what I really enjoyed, right? And like being in professional baseball, it's kind of been what I've done for the last 23, 24 years. And, um, but it was a, it was an easy choice for me finally in my life while I was playing. It was never like, 
I was missing stuff, but, you know, it was like I'm still playing. And as a coach now, it was like, okay, I don't want to miss anymore. Um, so it's time to put, you know, change, I guess. Family was always number one to me, but it was, you know, my job was to play, provide, you know, do all the other things. And, and you know, we're in a, I was in a position now where I could say no for the first time. You know what I mean? So it was kind of something that I felt like I really needed to be home. But, you know, the importance of, of my job and my career early on was different than it was later on. You know what I mean? And I think right. you get to a position where financially you're kind of able to do it maybe and uh, you realize you just get a little older and smarter and you realize you're missing a lot of time and the kids are growing up faster and, you know, you're missing all the stuff. And, um, you know, it was a, it was it was a it wasn't a choice that I wanted to have to make, but it was an easy decision once that was my I had two options. You know, what I mean, it was leave again and be on the road for six months or or say, no, nah, I'm good and just kind of be able to be home and run the business here and, and do that stuff. So um, I know right where you're coming from with, with that stuff. Uh, mine, mine are 18 and 14 now. So um, I hope. I hope I was okay. My, you know, you you put it on your. My, my wife had the job of raising them when I was gone. You know, so. Um, yep. And, and Wives we, have a big job when. Man, I'll tell you. When they have a <laughs> husband that is on the road. Yes. I promise you that for sure. You know, my wife. Obviously, I'm I'm married and divorced and remarried and kind of started over with a family, another family. I mean, you know, with little kids. Right. And. Uh, yeah, they're. They're going to have the special, they have a special place in heaven for, for wives with husbands that are on the road. Yeah, they do. It is not an easy gig. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of stuff they have to do. Um, I was on you know, the with, first time in my life where I was gone a lot last year, more than normal. I'm gone a lot anyways, but I was going to Idaho to help out and. Um, I had a lot of hunts last year and honestly kind of made me, my mental health took a little hit cause there's something to be said about a good family life that brings joy to your, to your world. And this year I've calmed it down, taken out a lot of trips and, um, I can honestly say I'm much happier. Right. You know. you know what, with what you're saying, Brock, a lot of, you know, what the, the great balance in life is if you can somehow start to include your children with some of the things that you enjoy. Yeah. You know, for instance, you like to go, say you go to the dunes and that's a, say a pastime, but you get to go with your family and you get to see your kids grow up and they start out on a little 50 and the next thing you know, they're on a on a bigger bike or whatever. I mean, I'm just saying, or it's the same thing, you know, your kids, you know, you start taking them, say you go to an archery shoot and you shoot, you know, they're, they're young and they start to enjoy some of the stuff you enjoy. You know, I saw it, you know, I finally got to draw a tag for one of my, for my daughter and I got to take her hunting and last year, no year before. And just kind of, you know, and I, I had already, you know, my son Talon, you know, he's 20, uh, he, you know, he had had a few tags and I, that, that's where I started to see 
you know, that, that fun of being able to experience things that I do and seeing maybe my kids get some enjoyment out of it or whether they did or didn't, you know, sometimes they don't gravitate towards the things you love, which, you know, isn't a big deal. You know, you, you can still find stuff to do with them. I mean, it's just spending more time with them and being able to do some of that stuff is, you know, is really priceless in a lot of ways. I mean, that's, I, I that's where like you get you, so much joy. You can take your a kid with you hunting, then it doesn't feel like you're gone. Right. It feels like you're present. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Like, you know, when I was on the road so much, I made a commitment, you know, when my son started playing, you know, high school football that I just said to myself, I don't care, you know, if I have to drive through the night. And I mean, I drove from, you know, Colorado one night and I drove clear to Sholo, Arizona watched a football game, got back in the truck, and drove back to Colorado that night, and by 4 a.m. was... Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Rolly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and is now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from T-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Ready to go the next morning on another hunt. Yeah. And and uh, that was, you know, and did I make them all? Not all. But 95% of them I made. And you know, for four years, we just, my wife and I and my little kids, we burned the road up. And, uh, 
it was, and I'd never take that back because those were times you just never get back. Yeah. That, that old, that hour, that, uh, what'd you call it? The hourglass that, yeah. you know, the sand. Yeah. That's a prime example of that, what that man said. You don't get it back. That's funny you say that, what you said, you, what you just did, because I just made a commitment to my own self this year because I missed my wife's birthday two years in a row. But I thought it was okay because, like, the week before, I did something with her, right? And so I justified it in my head, like, you know, like, I took her to, we did a, you know, to some fancy hotel or whatever, you know, and so that makes up for it, right? But you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't make up for missing. And I had a good friend um, that his wife's birthday is in the middle of elk season. And I'll call him and I'll say, hey, you know, you want to put it in for New Mexico? I've actually called him on tags that you had. And he's like, what's the weeks? And I tell him the weeks. He's like, oh, sorry, my wife's birthday is in the middle of that. I can't. Sorry. And he just has a commitment. This is a professional bow hunter that says no matter what, like he's going to be home on that day every year, no matter what. And his wife doesn't make him do it. He does it for himself. And I I told myself this year, you know what? I'm not going to miss another birthday. I'm not, I don't care where I'm at, what's planned. It can wait till after the birthday. I'm going to be there present on the birthday. And on my um, on my anniversary, because I haven't been present on all my anniversaries too, because it falls into that late deer season, late elk season. Right, you know? it's right. Like, I can make ju- you know you justify this or that, but it's like if you're not there on that day, it's just not the same. Right. Like, sure, you could have watched the video from afar. You could watch your son play football, you know, on film. It's different. But it's not the same, right? Right. Not even close. Yeah. Like No, it's not. It's not close. So I It isn't. I think you bring up a good well, point. Our, our anniversaries are what, a day apart or something, right? Yours is like eight mine's the nineteenth. Eighteenth. Yeah, it's like yeah. So hey, we, we here, just need to go to Hawaii and hunt. So here's the here, here's the deal like, like <laughs> I I wanna go to Hawaii and then hunt access access and then Let's we go it. to Hawaii. No. And the wife's like, You you can't include that on my like she, she she gets she'll so want to hunt one too though oh no once you put a gun in her hand she's ready to roll yeah. but like the thought of it she gets we just it won't all. hunt on I won't hunt the 18th and you won't hunt the 19th and we'll be but good we'll, we'll hunt the 17th 20th. 20th yeah we're good to go you, you can come too Jeff <laughs> yeah I, I don't like why why did I, I get married sure. on November 19th what I was a hunter back then what was I thinking I had to because oh I don't know but I know people that that you know, I see, and they're like, "Oh, I'm getting married uh, September 9th. and I'm like, uh, "Dude, that is the uh, worst." Or September fifteenth, and I'm like, "Who would ever get married in the rut?" I mean, fifteenth's not a good day. The ninth, you maybe swing the beer so, of it, huh? Yeah, you wanna, you, hey, <laughs> have it tail end it. In my defense, we were supposed to get married in January, and you want to know why we had to change it? I don't know if we do. Why? <laughs> Jeff will laugh about this. Because my father-in-law says he had to go to the ATA show. And he ain't going to miss the ATA show for any wedding. Which right. is, 
That's, That's such a great good thing we you know compromised for him because that company took just blasted off into oblivion. Right. So that was well worth the, you know, and that's, that's the point right there. That point right there. Like you look back on that, doesn't that sound so dumb? Yeah. Like, you missed, <laughs> he said, yeah. Unless sounds, you're the guy that hadn't wrote the check that for the company. <laughs> it just sounds hideous. Like you're like, it doesn't make any sense. Like go get Yeah. We're, well, you know what? We might be a day late. <laughs> we'll, right. we'll be a day late to the ATA. You know, whatever it may be, like if it's if it's a deer hunt or elk hunt. I remember my we were with you. We had a hunt scheduled with you, my dad, and we couldn't be there opening day for the hunt. Right. And you were like, "What the heck, dude?" <laughs> and I was like, "Dude, I can't, like my niece was getting <laughs> baptized." It was his, right. his granddaughter and my dad. Not he would not waver. Like we are going to the baptism. We're going to enjoy that day with her. That's her day, and then we will drive up later that day, and we'll hunt. Our first day will be Saturday, not Friday. And I was like, like my head was ready to explode. Like, are you serious? Like it's just a bad. But to him, it meant a lot, and it right. meant a lot to that granddaughter. To for him, right. And guess what? He killed a fine bull. He killed a big bull. Yep. The biggest bull he's ever shot. Like, to him, he didn't miss anything. Right. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of on board with that, that theory. I mean, there's a limitations to it, but, um, right. I think that's pretty noble of you to do that for your son. You know, that's a sacrifice you put forth yeah i mean i enjoyed that and i mean i've seen other things you know i've tried to you know um i don't know you know and i have this next group of kids coming up and you have to say to yourself you know i mean i'm getting further in my career where i just hope you can slow down so i can keep up (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's uh yeah i mean yeah, these are stories that I think so many people can relate with because, you know, it's, it's life. Uh, and, uh, it's just the way things a lot of times have to be, you know, you know and any so, startup business, I don't care what industry you're in. It doesn't matter. Those first five, six years, you're putting 80, 80 hours a week in. Like, I don't care who you are, if you want to be something, that's what you're doing. And you're going to sacrifice. There's going to be sacrifices in those first five, six years. And the idea is that if you do that sacrifice, then the next five to six years, seven, eight rest, you won't have to sacrifice. Right. You'll have people in the right places and then it will give you more free time to actually go enjoy the family members and enjoy life. Cause you've made that sacrifice. You put it in when no one else would on your own to build something up. So now other right. people can do it for you so that you can enjoy right. life. Yeah. We just finished up year five of kind of what we're doing of, of the version of what it is now. Yeah. And it's like this past year, I kind of didn't, wasn't there as much. And I saw it kind of taper off. Yeah. Right. Where we kind of steadily climbed over the first, 
four or so, and I I wasn't there all the time this year, and it just kind of leveled out. So it's not like it crashed. No, no, not at all. It just it, the growth wasn't there compared to years past. So, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, it's still fine, but yeah. it's not what I envisioned. So back to it. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you wanted to grow some more, you I know what you yeah, needed to do. Yeah, a little bit. And Jeff, with your, I mean, to be honest, like with your your outfitting, I feel like if someone's calling you right now for an elk hunt, there it's like any good outfitter has been taken. Like if if you're a quality outfitter, it's very rare that there's gonna be an open spot right now right. in the game. A month How, from now. Like I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong. If if you're putting in for a hunt in Arizona. If it's deer, if it's elk, like, and you're an eight to five guy working 40 hours a week, like, put your ego aside and find a guy that specializes in that unit to enjoy, like, I can't scout as much. I mean, I can glass, I can hunt. Scouting is a whole different game. Knowledge is a whole different game. And because you ha- because you can hunt doesn't mean you know where to go, right? Right. I mean, I I feel like, you know, I work really hard. I so when I do get drawn for that, you know, I haven't been drawn in Arizona for a long time. But I promise you when I get drawn, I'm gonna call, you know, it depends what unit it is, depends on which outfitter I call. You know, if it's unit, if it's up towards you, I'm calling you. Right. If it's in a different unit, it might be in a different outfitter that specializes in that unit. But I feel like you want to go with an outfitter that doesn't take on all clients, that can manage it, and he not only does he know the area, like, it's almost like they live there, you know, like... Right, we spend a lot of time in the in the year in the unit. Yeah, like, and I was born and raised in the units I hunt. Yeah, it's like, and so were my guides. Unit twenty seven, unit one. Like, there's in my opinion, there's one person to call. That's you. If you draw, and to be honest, you can say those are some of the best units in the entire country. Yeah, we got. I got my last bull in twenty seven, four years ago. I mean. I, and I think you, the knowledge that you have in that unit, yeah, I, I don't know anybody. I would have taken some help. I don't know anybody <laughs> that has the knowledge. That, I mean, besides some of my cousins, but even then they're not out as much as you are. Yeah. I mean, there's other guys obviously that, you know, that are, that are born and raised here that, you know, other people that have some pretty successful businesses and stuff that, you know, there's guys. That, that know it and spend a lot of time out there, but there's not as many as people think. No, <laughs> there's a few, you know, just like the guys that we talked about earlier that called me this year, you know, and they ended up who they're hunting with. And yeah, I was, and he, so, you know, a funny thing about that guy and this is people got to understand. I hope everyone listening to this is <laughs> it's just because they posted on Instagram doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Like, yeah, social media has actually ruined 
you know, you got to remember, I was, I was, you know, I, you know, I was doing this long before anything in social media, this most social media world was ever doing it at a high level. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm a little behind the curve on the social media at 48. Well, you know, I try to keep up on it and all of that, but it's just like, I don't even you know, try. I don't even try. I quit. And, and it's funny because, you know, there's a lot of people out there, even older individuals, you know, that are, you know, not old, but I'm just saying people 50 plus that see that and, and think that, you know, that's the end all be all. What they see is what they believe. And, uh, you know, that's the truth, you know, and the consumer these days, you know, people want to be told what they want to be told. There's no more truth to that. I mean, people want to be told oh, they what want. they want to hear. And I'm not that guy, you know, that Brock and, and yeah. you're going to be, you know, us, you don't, you don't, yeah, you don't under, you know, what is it? You know, uh, under, under promise, promise and over deliver. That's yeah. what you want to be. So and like, that's what I've always tried to do. And, and you know, the funny thing that's always struck me is people call us and say, well, I've had five guys recommend you. Mm-hmm. And I actually was talking to another outfitter and the outfitter said, well, if you've already talked to him, you probably ought to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. And then they end up calling and booking with somebody else mm-hmm. or they'll call and say, I've had four guys recommend you. They've all said, you know, this and this, or they had friends or family or somebody that's hunted with you. And what kind of deal can you cut me? <laughs> no and I'm deal. like, well, you, you called me. And if I'm one of the best people in this area to hunt with. Since you charge more. Yeah. And I'm, our, and I'm trying to be competitive. Really. I should just double my rates and say, I'm going to take half the people. Well, I can tell you that right now, there's some people that do do that. Now they've lost clients. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but um, I will tell you that it is amazing how people overpromise and then get. Oh, I've seen it for twenty something years. I mean, I've I that's what I deal with. I have. Uh, it, I mean, let's just in Arizona. I think there's five hundred and something registered outfitters. In New Mexico, I think there's almost eight hundred. I can literally count on my hands the guys that are that are reputable and they're as good as I mean that are in this in 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 a in a level of put it into like a professional athlete scenario that they're when I say they're a pro they're that type of person compared to the competition. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when I say that, that's the thing that the general public does not understand. And being honest to people because it's, it's the craziest thing. And in the last probably five or six years, I've seen it get even worse, but I mean, you know, I, I have some friends, you know, that, that have an outfitting business and, and that's one of our biggest complaints. They just say, you know, social media is, is such a lie. Oh, well they, they're sending you video, this bull that they're 
filming that's on the reservation, right? That's yeah. right off the highway. That, you know, yep. like a family pet to the res. <laughs> that, you know, but a guy in Wisconsin, he doesn't know that. He doesn't yeah. know that. That's on the reservation. And, uh, that tags. Yeah, but, you know, people price. don't know that. And, you know, people want to, you know, Brock, one time I was at a show and I had my wife, I told her, I said, Hey, go book me a whitetail hunt. I don't care if it's to Wisconsin, to Texas, to Pennsylvania. I don't care where it's at. Go, you know, it can be in Alberta. Go book me a whitetail hunt. I want one for my birthday. That was, you know, and of course I'm joking and being sarcastic and smart ass. And yeah, she goes out, she comes back about 45 minutes later and she said, how would you even do it? And I said, you're right. How would you? Knowing what you know, knowing what you think you're being told, how would you book it? Now I said, there's 25 elk outfitters in this room right now from New Mexico. How are you going to choose one? Now let's take social media into effect. Same thing. Start surfing social media and you're going to book an elk hunt off of what you see and what you appear is true. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Fake Graham. Insta fake. And, and, and because of that world that we live in makes it extremely hard to do what we're talking about. There was a, there was a guy. And, and, and in the end, Brock, I mean, we would not be able to do the business we do unless we had built our reputation for the last 25 years. You got, you have to go back to previous clients with previous success. You, you want to talk to a guy that maybe wasn't successful on the hunt and you want to say, right. that's who you want to talk to. Not the successful hunter, but the unsuccessful hunter and say, what happened? Let's talk about it. Did they hunt to the very end? Did the team come together and help? Once that guy killed out, did he come join you to help try to find a bull for you? Like, how was the team? You know, how, did they come together as a team to try to find you a bull? Or was it every man for himself? And once he killed, he was out. He was back home. Because the, all the good outfitters I see, once someone kills, then that guy's on helping somebody else. And when that guy kills... Now you got three people helping one person. And when that guy kills, everybody's helping the last guy find a bull. It's all or in, nothing, you know? Yep. And those types of outfitters, they're very successful. And they don't have a lot of unsuccessful hunts. And if they're unsuccessful, it's because client wants to shoot a bigger bull. It's a all or nothing kind of thing. Or, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just that's what the guy wanted and they couldn't find it, which happens all the time. Right. And so many people look at like, Hey, what's the average, what's the average score that you shoot? Right. What's the bit, you know, what should I expect? Well, who's scoring it? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Are they scoring it? (laughs) Like, like how you, you look at pictures, you almost can't even believe pictures anymore. Like, well, that's why so many times, you know, I mean, I've, I've gotten pretty blunt as I've gotten older and, you know, guys are like, you know, I want a 350 bull. Well, why? Cause I've killed the 360 bull. Oh yeah. You got a picture of it. So he shows me a picture of it. Yeah. That bull's 320. Maybe. 
320. Who told you it was 360? Well, I'm like, who told you? Well, they lied. You know, and I'm like, and then they see a 320 bull, a real 320 bull or something, and then they're like, oh my gosh, it's so much bigger than the bull. I'm like, well, I mean, it's, you know, and that's why scores started to ruin. Well, scores ruined it all, man. A lot of it, you know, people think, you know, I always tell people a trophy's in the eye of the beholder. You know, I learned that, you know, my son taught me a good lesson, you know, we were hunting this big monster bull and every time I, I wouldn't, you know, I think we were on him and we weren't. And then we'd see this, you know, with just a, just a bull. And my son would be dead. Dad, 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 can I shoot it? Can I shoot it? Can I shoot it? No. no. And I just kept telling him, no, 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 no. We're looking for this huge, huge bull. And I started seeing, he was kind of dragging his head and he was just kind of moping around and, and he, he was, He'd never killed anything. And here I am. Who's hunting the big monster bull? Me. And I looked at that and thought, this kid wants to shoot an elk. Never killed an elk. And he's, he's going to be ecstatic to kill an elk. It don't matter what it is. Yeah. And so I told him, hey, the neck, you know, and he ended up shooting like a three, you know, 330 kind of bull. Which and, is a great bull, by the way. Yeah. And I just said, yeah. So he, he shoots this bull. And it really taught me, you know, like, you know, hunt for, for the moment, hunt for whatever's, you know, your, your, for other reasons than, than just size. Yeah. Now, obviously, if I had the tag and it was my tag, do I need to just shoot an elk? Maybe, maybe that's my goal that year. Maybe I want to put meat on the table or whatever. Yeah. But if I have a goal to kill a bigger, more mature, you know, trophy class animal and I choose to hunt for that and I don't do it, then that's me. But that, that's what I mean. You have to, every, every situation is its own, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've had hunts with you. I've had successful and unsuccessful hunts, but I would never say it was your fault that we didn't kill I mean, just, you know, just bad. Right. Just, it wasn't your fault, though. I can promise you that. Right. I mean, like, and that's why I tell yeah. them. I, when people call me and they say, hey, I got this tag in this unit, I'm like, oh, just call this guy. If he has a spot open, take it. Because uh, that's who you want hunt to be. And all of his guys are good. And that's what people don't know. We're like, well, this guy's a really good hunter. Yeah, but what about the other four guys guiding for him? Are they good? Because, like, you might not have him. You might have one of the other guys. Are they good also? So I would, and that's why I was trying to tell my buddy that Pat ended up passing on your services was they're feeding you what you want to hear. You're telling them you want you're telling them you want a 360 bull and they're telling you that's no problem like that's an easy feat which is a 360 bull in the late hunt that's uh pretty that's that's a giant yeah it's a tall task in 27 it's a tall task and you're trying to be honest with the man and when some, it's great i do the same thing when people come work for me i tell them hey man it's going to be hard there's going to be hard, long days. But what I have to offer 
is an opportunity to grow and you can grow to whatever you want to be. And that that's rare is to be to grow into something other companies might not let you do. But it's gonna be a hard road and that's the truth. And so they'll take the job, the other job that pays less because oh, in six months we're gonna pay you this and in a year you'll be at this and then Two years, you'll be making a hundred thousand a year or whatever, and then I get a call from that guy six months later. Hey, is that job still open? <laughs> I'm like, um, actually, no, it's not. It's actually, not. But for you, it's like same thing. You're being honest. You're like, hey, man, I think you have a really good shot at three twenty, three thirty bull, and that's here's the difference. though. that's a real three twenty, three thirty bull, which you know depends on ta- who's taping it, right? And, right. Um, I and it's not about size and everyone wants to make it about size and I noticed something with uh, one of our our friends that we both have is when he sees a giant a giant bull he just calls it a 350 bull (laughs) right he just says he doesn't want to give it a score because he's been fooled too many times where he thought it was 390 and it was 360 right so if he says 350 bull that means what i learned from him was he thinks it's big and and he will tell you that no you'll have it on the ground you'll have it in your hands and you're like this thing's huge and he'll still tell you yeah it's probably it'll probably go around 350 you know and then he gave me the call that day hey i just scored your bull is 387 (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I was ec- ecstatic. Like well, and I, what I learned, I learned an important thing there was. Undersell. <laughs> man, just don't, like, you can't, it's so hard to judge things. This is a guy that's been yeah. in business for a long time. Don't, don't tell someone it's a hundred, you know, if you're shooting meal deer, don't tell them it's 200 inches. And it's on the ground. It's 160. <laughs> <laughs> you know how pissed off is the hunter going to be but what if you told him you know that's a 160 inch deer and he shoots it and it's a 160 inch deer he's fine setting yeah. expectations neither delivering on that or over delivering right yeah yeah exactly so i i, I i'm not going to name names again this is a totally different outfitter <laughs> You're, you you will laugh over this one. I saw him at a total archery challenge. Event. He's like, yeah, I got Arizona tag. Unit 8 late hunt. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, unit 8 late should be a pretty good hunt, you know? And then he gets to, it's like the archery unit 8 late. I'm like, oh, man, that's a tough task, right? Yeah, whole different ballgame. I'm like, whoa, you don't have a gun in your hand in the late hunt? These guys are in some nasty country. Getting close to those things are going to be tough. And the outfitter, who shall not be named, told them that they the year before they were chasing a 400-inch bull. And that that's the bull they're going to be chasing for him, a 400-inch bull. So they set the expectation of 400 inches on a late archery hunt which i would say um you probably have better odds winning the lottery <laughs> than that yeah. happening i i like i was blown away i'm like 
I didn't. I didn't even know what the yeah. Better odds of getting struck by lightning, living, and then winning the lottery the next day. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't even know what to tell the guy. Like <laughs> how crazy that sounded. I'm like, do you understand how crazy? Like this isn't Texas, like corn feeding Elkin. Like, I'm, um, I'm guessing you didn't get it. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> he, that didn't happen. I, I saw him the next year. I was like, hey, how was that late? <laughs> oh, I did, you know, he just said there's excuses after. Yeah. Figured, yeah, you know, um, I know, but this is what a lot of outfitters, people that are, they want to cash somebody's check and they don't care because Arizona, it's so hard to get the tag, Yeah, but that guy's not going to get another tag. So who cares if he, as long as we get him for that year, we tell him what he wants to hear. He books the hunt. We cash his check. We go take him hunting, give him the experience and that's all that matters. You know, that's where I just, I, I, I told the line, you know, I mean, I, I crossed the line. I'm like, no, I, I, I tell people the truth. I tell them what they don't want to hear. I tell them we're going to hunt the biggest bulls that are in the unit. And whether we kill them or not, it has a pile to do with you. And, uh, you know, if they, you know, yeah, that's all you can do. I sleep at night, so that's all that matters. <laughs> you know what? But the people that have hunted with you, they know. And that's why you have good clientele. Well, that's why I take a huge, you know, repeat clientele. Well, that's why you have. Th- How many people did you draw in New Mexico's second hunt? Uh, we don't even want to talk about that. Yeah, like 12 people. <laughs> yeah, more than I want. I only wanted five, but. I have talked to every single guy and told him what's going on. And this is the opportunity. And if you want to cancel, you can cancel. And this is what the hunt's going to be. And we're going to hunt. There's going to be those people in the unit, no matter if we're hunting with our outfit or someone else's outfit. And that's that. So So you got one tip for gear for somebody just, I know a lot of like beginner hunters. What would you say? you would buy if you're like first big purchase for deer hunters, just getting in the hunt, you know, getting into deer and elk hunting in general, what would you be your first big purchase? A good, good pair of binoculars. I knew you were going to say that. I did too. And I don't even know you. Bear, pair of binoculars <laughs> and a tripod, right? Yep. So, and I tell people all the time, I said the tripod's more important than the binos. Yeah. <laughs> You can have a mediocre pair of, of binoculars as long as you have a really solid platform. That's and if you can put the two together and if you can afford both, you buy a really good tripod and a really good pair of optics. Now you got something going. This is what someone told me. It's like, the more comfortable you are glassing, that means the more time you have eyes behind the glass which means the better chance you have at seeing something, you know? The yeah, you can't you... kill what you can't see. Yeah. Unless you're just lucky. Unless you're like my father-in-law's neighbor. That's a story to be told <laughs> later, but he just, no range finder. Like, it's like the PSE's original bow. He's guessing yardages, slinging arrows, and kills a 370 bull. <laughs> that's a different yeah. story though better but be I mean, yeah, than good. Yeah, that's, 
you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good stuff, but I mean, really, you know, as a guide or an outfitter, I remember when I, my, I had a buddy that broke down and bought, you know, Swarovski's when we were like 19 and guiding and, you know, it, it set him back. Cause you know, at the time I think a pair of swirls were probably about 1200 bucks. Yeah, totally. And I was like, Oh, these, these, what I'm using is just as good. You know, they're 300 bucks and they're just as good. And then one day I, grabbed his and used them and i was like uh yeah i guess i gotta have those why, do, why does mine seem like it has like uh a tinting it's on it <laughs> yours look like normal yeah. mine look like <laughs> is- and you know you can't beat you know high dollar optics and uh you know good boots um and hard work i was getting ready for the hunt wouldn't be willing to hike to a spot to glass off the road, right? Like get off the road yep. somewhere, and then you know, be willing. Yeah, to hike. time and effort goes a long ways. And you can't, um, you can't kill. Don't them. get me wrong. Luck, luck goes a long ways too. But you can't kill a deer in the trailer. Us, some of us get lucky a lot. Hey, we luck plays into it. But you know, you make your own luck. You do. You make like, your own luck. Luck is I defined as opportunity meets the person that is ready for it, that prepared for it. And then bad luck right. is the opportunity met the person that's not prepared for it. So in a way, yes, you do meet. I want to be lucky. I want luck because I want to be prepared for when it comes, I'm ready. Right. Well, Jeff is a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, no problem. Have I'd come on anytime. Well, we'll get you on after the season. Maybe you got some funny stories. Oh, there's always a funny story. Maybe we can <laughs> make fun of Alberto. Or there's always something. <laughs> get a good story about Alberto, Trujillo, one of your guys. They're a bunch of good yeah. balls, but they hunt hard, man. <laughs> hunt hard outfitters. All right, well, I hey, appreciate you having so us on. Your handle on Instagram, if people want to follow, is Hunt Hard Gear. There's yeah, a, Hunt Hard underscore gear. Yeah, there's a Hunt Hard Outfitters on there that's not him. It's Hunt Hard underscore gear. The Hunt Hard Outfitters actually is ours. Oh, that is yours? Yeah, but it's a long story. It's the social media thing. We got that, and we don't even know how we got it. It's all my stuff. And it was when I was playing around one night. <laughs> Yeah, your last post was 2015 on that one. Yeah, I got it, <laughs> and I don't even know how to get in it. I don't know how to recover it. I don't know how to do anything. I don't even know how I got it to begin with. I put a bunch of pictures on there by accident, I think. Oops. I mean, but it is us. But it's, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's not like you can just pick up the phone and call Instagram and say, hey, I got an issue. Yeah, fix this. Or can you? I don't know. Send an email to... Uh... You can send customer it. service. Yeah, send they'll have, they have some robot take care of you. Take care of it. Yeah, just put. <laughs> I forgot my password. <laughs> Hopefully, you got the same email. All right. Uh, all right, man. Well, you have. I appreciate you. You're a great family man. That's why I like you. You're a you're a professional at your art, and you specialize in something instead of just trying to be a broad. I. 
I'm glad that you really take pride in what you do. And that's why I send people your way. It's because I know if they go to you, they're going to have a really good experience. So, well, I appreciate it. And, and, uh, we work hard at it. So that's for sure, man. Well, you take, you care. know, my truck's loaded. I'm actually getting in the truck as soon as I get off the phone and headed to the Gila. Cause Christopher's waiting for me at a trailhead. Well, tell him to, I'm jealous. Tell him to stop drinking. Just chill out a second. <laughs> I'm headed through. I'm headed through there tomorrow. Maybe stop by. Yeah, yeah. I'm headed up. All right. Well, we're gonna to be Colorado Springs to take my daughter to school. So, well, yeah. you have a great time up there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping her off and coming back home. So, well, say hi to the family. Okay, man. All right. We'll see All you later. We'll All see right. See you guys. Thanks. Later. Well, that was Jeff Lester. Everybody, he's a good friend of mine. Fun guy. Last year, he grew out his hair all during hunting season. Oh, yeah. Like, didn't really take care of himself. He literally looked like the wilderness Jesus. <laughs> like, that's what I we called him, I like, AJ Jesus. But, yeah. <laughs> like that? Good dude. Honest dude. Life experiences. He's, you know, like everybody else. And just a normal guy that had a dream and went for it. So, hope that inspires anybody out there to... Maybe go go for it. Love it. So, all right. Well, we'll get back at you guys soon again. Got some cool people coming up. We're excited about. Cool stuff. All right. We'll see you later. See you.